Welcome to the Tournament of Everything, a show where we compare all the things that ever were to figure out which one of them is the best that ever was. That's right. And we do so by dressing up in slick black suits, sneaking into a high-rise building at night, evading high-tech security devices, and sneaking into a vault to find a cheeky note left by one of the competitors who beat us to the jewels. That competitor will move on to the next round of... None of that is right. None of none of that is right. One, I think you're describing the plot of Ocean's 11, 12, 13. What's the one with the cat burglar? That one. I think you're describing that one. And no, that's not what we're doing. We are going to be picking pages off Wikipedia using a random page generator from Wikipedia pitting those two things against each other based on categories that no one knows and no one could predict, and figuring out which one of them we like best if they were to fight to the death. That's what we're doing. Oh, yeah. That's right. There's no diamonds involved. You always forget that. You always make things way more complicated than they need to be. Diamonds are a girl's friend, friend, Rob. Let's get into round one. Round one. Oh, yeah. We have round one music. We have music. In round one, we have U.S. Bank Bank Center in Cleveland against Wieden-Oberkatzau Railway. Hmm. Now, we've got basically here uh, two opposite styles of competitors. We've got one who likes to go way high, and we've got one who likes to stay way low. Which one will turn out to be the superior strategy? Let's find out, shall we? So the Cleveland U.S. Bank Center is a high-rise located in Cleveland, in the heart of Cleveland's theater district, formerly known as the Renaissance Center. It is the second tallest building in that district. Hmm. Now, the tallest building is the 1922-built, 272-foot Keith Building. So... Let's keep this in perspective here. We're not talking about some sort of crazy skyscraper, but high rise, I'll give it to you. Yeah, it's a a skyscraper for Cleveland, right? For Cleveland. And it's like, oh, we have 15 (laughs) floors. Look how tall our building is. Chicago laughs at you and New York laughs at you as well. Oh, it's a Cleveland skyscraper. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a a New York 4 is like a Cleveland 10. I think that's pretty much what we're talking about here architecturally. I think that's probably an insult that they probably use in Cleveland, right? They're like, no, no, it was great. It was Cleveland great. It was Cleveland great. (laughs) Now, is our railway friend Cleveland great is the question. Well, it is a two-track mainline railway in Bavaria. Um, called connecting the Regensburg Weiden Railway in Weiden in der Oberpfalz uh, and runs via uh, Wietz to Oberkotzau. Um, it, it sounds it sounds like a blast. Um, forms part of a long distance route from Munich to Hof, continuing to Leipzig and Dresden. There's a lot of German. It's a lot of German you were speaking. So apparently this opened in 1864. It has had additions since then. It is 54 miles long, two tracks, 
runs at 99 miles per hour. This is not high speed rail. It's just kind of rail. Uh, but yeah, it seems to be connecting important uh, hubs. Basically, uh, especially during the Second World War, uh, was part of the most important long distance route in southern Germany, uh, connecting Munich, Dresden, and uh, Fuarka. I'm not sure how I pronounced that. Um, but basically, uh, a significant one connecting significant places. Hmm. Now, those places. Are they more significant than Cleveland? Well, probably. <laughs> now, are they more significant than the U.S. Bank Center in Cleveland? Oh, the U.S. Bank, I mean, inherently is nationwide, right? U.S. Bank. Um, us. All of us. It's right in the word. And uh, they spelled center wrong. So, you know what? I don't really know how to spell spelled German words, but I'm going to guess that this one's spelled correctly, and I'm going to throw an early hammer down for the Weiden Oberkotzau Railway uh, in Bavaria. I think that this railway station uh, has it going on, keeps it going on, and in my opinion, will be going on for the next round of The Ultimate what say you, Robert? Now, I know you're you're generally Team Railway, but I just want to point this out about the U.S. Bank Center in Cleveland to maybe sway your vote. Mm-hmm. Popular legend maintains that on floors 12 through 15, after midnight, you see odd figures that resemble, resemble Cleveland pioneers, so they think this building may be haunted. But who are the pioneers of Cleveland? Drew Carey? No, LeBron James. If I... Okay, so basically what you're telling me is that if I hang out in this building in between certain floors at night, I might run into the spectral versions of Drew Carey and uh, I'm assuming uh, Ryan Stiles, perhaps, and uh, LeBron James. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I don't believe you and I'm not changing my vote. Well, that's good, because I wouldn't change it either. I'm going to go with the railway as well. I think that train has what it takes to keep those engines moving. All right. Weiden Oberkotzau Railway, you are chug, chug, chugging along to the next round of... The Ultimate Very good. Very good. Shall we progress in this adventure, Robert? Oh, absolutely. Here it comes. It's time for round two. In round two, we have Raul Gibb Guerrero against Madalita Bodromo. Looks like Raul Gibb Guerrero, Mexican editor and founder and owner of a newspaper, and... Medalita Badromo is a swimmer for the islands of Muala and Rotuma. Okay, yes. Um, Matalita was selected to represent Fiji at the 2012 Summer Olympics. Uh, she's an all-rounder competitor, but she specializes in the 100 and 200-meter breaststroke um, turned pro when she competed in the South Pacific Games in New Caledonia 2011. 
She's 26, 5'9". Her coach is Sharon Pickering-Smith. That is a name that I've heard before, so I think that might be an American coach. I, I'm not... It does be familiar. Yeah, I'm not positive, but I do, I do think I've heard that name before. She did make an Olympics finals in London in 2012. So, hey, good for her. Now, how many medals did Raul Gib Guerrero win? Well, he may not have won so many himself, but his newspaper was, in fact, awarded the 2005-2006, well, he was awarded, rather, for it, the International Editor of the Year by WorldPress.org. It seems that he was murdered in that same year, but it had already won awards for his coverage of corruption. Yeah, it sound, the quote they have here is, The three gave the ultimate sacrifice in pursuit of their journalistic excellence and freedom of the press, their courage, tenacity, and dedication in covering sensitive subjects, especially drug trafficking, caused them to live in a danger zone of threats and violence, which ultimately led to their murders. Yeah, looking at this here, it just kind of screams, this guy was calling out the bad people, and the bad people did some bad things to him for it. Wow. That is that is rough. You know, it's so easy to forget that those things happen other places, right? Because here yeah. it doesn't doesn't generally happen here. It's not a normal occurrence. But I, I, from what I can understand, that's kind of unfortunately common in Mexico. Yeah, uh, journalism journalist killings are like the school shootings, um, you know, <laughs> in the rest of the world <laughs> compared to here in America. You know, we could uh, we could come up with some funny quips about uh, journalists or swimming, but I think that would really diminish the important work that it looks like Raul Gib Guerrero has done or did do. And uh, for that, I think you should move on. You're going to throw down your vote right away? Oh, right away. When Ain't you know, no you know. Yep, I'm joining you too. Raul, we're going to move you on to the next round of... Now, I think we should play it one more time just for how emphatically we're going to move him on to the next round. Do you concur? Absolutely. Raul, the first ever two time. Here comes. See, he's really what this tournament is all about. Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell you yeah. how, but yes. Yeah. This guy here, you know, he's out there doing what it takes. I mean, he did. Yeah. And now now not anymore, but journalist heaven, probably. But we remember him and in- just just love the guy. Didn't even know I did until now, but I so do. You know what else I love? Round three. Three. It's time for round three. In round three, we have Lieutenant Colonel Frank Moffat, a Scottish rugby union player, against By the Dawn's Early Light, an album by composer Harold Budd. Oh. Song versus a rugby player. I don't think we've had that before. 
No, we've had rugby players face off of many and varied foes before, but never against an entire album of music. Now, this album, first released in 1991 by Warner Brothers, uh, it uh, is typical of Bud's signature minimalist style and features several short poems, each read by Bud himself. Oh, it's not a musical album. It's a spoken word poetry album? Hmm, tough to say exactly. Or did he just read poems in the midst of, oh, some of them are poems and some of them are music. Okay, it says poem after some of them. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's an experience. It's not just not just some music. Indeed, the uh, album cover pictured here uh, certainly looks like an experience, a Bellagio of light, if you will. It is in the genre ambient. Yes, exactly. Um, so we're talking about vibes here. Vibes of by the dawn's early light, accompanied by periodic intervals of spoken word poetry. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Frank Moffat probably had a very different vibe, being both a distinguished uh having both a distinguished military career and being a rugby player. Yes. Yes. A little, a little more hardcore vibe than uh, the spoken word, I think from our, uh, our friend over here, Harold Bud. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, at first uh, hearing of it, I thought to myself, most rugby players don't get titles like Lieutenant Colonel. Um, so <laughs> looking into, uh, you know, kind of the rest of his career, Lieutenant Colonel of the Gordon Highlanders and a member of the Royal Company of Archers, won the Distinguished Service Order in 1917 for his service with the 810th Battalion in the Battle of Irps. Um, citation uh, did exceptional things. Um, basically, he uh, was a war hero of sorts, um, as well as a hero on the cricket field, rugby field. It looks like he was good at just about everything he tried. He was studying medicine at Edinburgh when the war broke out. He played cricket for a team. He was a mining engineer. He was appointed a state's mining engineer for the Scottish Division of the National Coal Board. Sounds like everything he did, he did really, really well. He single-handedly uh, attacked from his position for his for the medal he won. This dude just did everything. Mm-hmm. And he passed away in 1978 after a stroke. Um, his death was at the end of March that year. Uh, so, a fighter through and through. Meanwhile, the dawn's early light, ambient, passive, sits back, uh, then reads you a poem. Whereas Frank Moffat, I think he would uh, go and fight for your right to rugby. And that's why, Frank Moffat, I am choosing you as my selection to move on to the next round of... The Ultimate What do you say, Rob? Oh, a absolutely. I think putting him listed as a rugby player in that first sentence just completely undersells the man that is Frank Moffat. And so I think he has to move on. Not even close. Not even close. 
All right, Mr. Frank Moffat, you're sitting on your Toffet and moving on to the next round I wonder what round four we're going to get today. Is it going to be the, the the pizza roll round four, or is it going to be the you just turned into a werewolf and ate your neighbor round four? I tell you what, why don't you tell me which one you'd prefer, and then I'll make my decision. Oh, great. I, I would prefer the first one. The first one? Yeah, The yeah. scary one? Nope, nope. The first one I mentioned just now, the, the pizza roll uh, microwave oven one. All right. Well, here comes my choice for round four. Ah, my round four is ready. In round four, this nice cheery round four, we have the Canadian House of Commons Special, Committee, Special Committee on Electoral Reform and the Herd Hawes family. Whole family? Yeah, apparently they're all politicians. So, you know, nepotism. Is it dead? No, it's not. Oh, my goodness. In Georgia. All of them are in Georgia. They're still in Georgia. Yes, a lot of them. George Washington heard. Bernard Carroll heard. Thomas Jefferson heard. Shingle Walton out. Okay, <laughs> you have uh, you have family members named George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. That's a little that's a little much, don't you think? Oh, A. A. McCurry, <laughs> Albert Sidney, Peyton Sammy. The list goes on and on and on. Apparently, this whole family this is all they did. They're just all political figures. Well, if you want to talk about political figures, then you'll eventually end up talking about the Canadian House of Commons Special Committee on Electoral Reform. Um, this was established during the 42nd Canadian Parliament to investigate reforms of the Canadian electoral system. Uh, the formation of an all-party parliament committee to review electoral forms was an election promise by the Liberal Party leader Justin Trudeau in the 2015 federal election. Mm. Now, was there was there shenanigans, or did they just think, ah, we should we should reform elections? Well, I mean, you always want to keep an eye on things. You don't want people to be able to cheat, but you know, I don't really know that we've heard much of people doing that so much, at least here, anyways. Also Maybe it's pretty. Yeah, I don't pay a lot of attention to Canadian politics. Hmm. They had witnesses. They had town halls. They submitted their report. They made 12 recommendations as part of the for form of pro proportional representation. They wanted that. So they, there were some other things. There's like a Gallagher index, which I don't understand. Statistical analysis methodology utilized within political science measures in electoral systems relative disproportionality between votes received and seats allotted. So they're they're basically trying to say, if we have a certain number of people who vote one way, we should have a certain number of seats for those people in the government instead of uh, not. I guess. Hmm. Well, looking forward here. Ultimately, on February first of 2017. Um, they announced that the government was no longer pursuing electoral reform and it was not listed as a priority in the mandate letter from Justin Trudeau. Um, he wrote that a clear preference for a new electoral system, let alone a consensus, has not emerged. So I think they pretty much figured out that things were going pretty well, pretty well as you know they were before. And uh, hey, 
what they say is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I guess that's probably why the Herd Hawes family has continued to rule for so long in the great state of Georgia. And that's why I'm choosing them as my selection to move on to the next round of the ultimate Where do you lie? Uh, I got I got to disagree with you. I think anytime you have a family that somehow starts ruling in a democracy like that, we got something wrong. Usually corruption afoot. I need to go to a tiebreaker. I think. Well, I don't disagree with your conclusions, but I'm going to try and beat you to a pulp in this tiebreaker. So, Rob, why don't you grab onto this end of the rope? I'll grab onto this end of the rope, and we'll pull real hard until the other one's shoulder dislocates. So, for those of you that don't know, we're actually on opposite ends of the country right now. So, I'm wondering if I grab a telephone wire and you grab a telephone wire, are those technically connected telephone wires where we could pull and the other one would feel it? If I've learned anything from cartoons, you could pull me straight through into your room. That's probably how it worked. But instead, why don't we pick a number between 1 and 1,000? That seems a lot more feasible. I think I shall pick the number 336. 336. Okay, I think I'm going to go with 900. Hmm. 944. Wow. All right. So that means that the Canadian House of Commons Special Committee on Electoral Reform, you are moving on to the next round of... Congratulations, eh? Oh, thank you. I was actually listening to some of these in the car with my wife, and she said, you know, you win those number selections an awful lot. And I just really attribute it to one luck and two, sometimes you picking terrible guesses, like one or a thousand. (laughs) We're going on infinity here, so I plan to break even by the time that eternity comes. Them's good odds. Them's good odds. Them's good odds. Let's continue on to round five. In round five, we have Syed Ahmed Kamran, a Pakistani television director, and Kirsten Langbo, who is a Norwegian children's writer. All right, let's take a look here at Kirsten Langbo, the Norwegian children's writer, um, singer, songwriter, entertainer. Uh, there's a picture here. She's got a guitar. She seems like she's having a grand old time. Looks like a lot of fun. After having raised her own children, she started writing humorous articles for the newspaper, appearing in the children's radio show Barntemen for the Minsty. Don't know what that is. In the mid-50s, she performed her own songs and told stories from her rural childhood. Her signature tune was a vocal imitation of a trombone solo. You know what every good musician needs is a good director. And you know who was a pretty good director? 
our good friend Saeed Ahmad Kamran, Pakistani television director, uh, directed a number of television series uh, for GOTV, ATV, and a number of other uh, networks, uh, including, uh, let's see, he received an award for Best Director of a Drama Serial in 2014. Uh, don't oversell it. He was nominated. He did not win. Oh, that is correct. I was unnominated. Yeah, I, I, I also not nominated. Yeah, I don't know how how they passed us over. Really, it's, it's terrible. Who who is in charge? We might find out eventually. Now, we will find out eventually. <laughs> that is, we so are going through everything in this the ultimate tournament of everything. Given enough time, we'll get there. One of his shows, Chemistry. Is a Pakistani Urdu language drama serial that premiered on Geo Entertainment. It's directed by him. Oh, this the subject line reads. Oh, that's as much as the Wikipedia preview gives me. Here we go. Tagline reads: Chemistry, subject of love, focuses on relationships. How the slightest change in chemicals can lead to a dangerous result. In this case, it's the brain's chemicals that are placed under consideration. So it looks like some some kind of documentary-style stuff mixed with probably hyperbole, I would guess, because I think they're probably trying to make it interesting in some way. Yes, yes. Because if you want to convey something, you've got to make it interesting, especially if you're going to convey that to children. And then you might use such things as hand puppets or ventriloquism, just as our friend Kristen Langbow did. Um, her signature tune, as you said, was the sound of a trombone solo. Uh, she made also books. Um, she appeared on television uh, as a ventriloquist. She used hand puppets, um, and, and then she made books that she would tour around with or her puppets. Um, she's got a number of very famous songs, published a whole bunch of albums, uh, and they all appear to be in Norwegian by looking at the titles. Do you think it's possible that she's the Norwegian Mr. Rogers? I think that it is very, very likely that she is. I think that that's a missing opportunity because I never heard of a Mrs. Rogers. Yeah. Now, it looks like she, she predated Mr. Rogers. Looks like she might be the OG. Oh, you think Mr. Rogers was just copping her style? I don't know. I haven't seen her. It's possible. But I, is... think, I think there's enough here to say that she's our winner. Oh, I think that there is enough here to say she's our winner, and there's not nearly enough on the other to say that they're anything but the second place competitor in this round rob i concur so Kristen langbo i believe we are both moving you on to the next round of <laughs> you gotta check her out is it already time for round six yes it is there you have it. There is your winner. Round six. In round six, we have The Apostate, the eighth studio album by Art Bergman, 
and Robert A. Dressler, a lawyer and politician. Wow. Another album versus another individual. Um, let's see here. Not only a lawyer and politician was this Robert A. Dressler, but not only an album, an audio album, this also contained art, visual art. So let's see which one of these multifaceted competitors will end up on top of the tussle in this round of the Ultimate Tournament of Everything. Now it looks like Art Bergman, that's a name I've heard sort of, uh, Canadian rock singer-songwriter, who's one of the key figures oh. in Canadian punk rock. Okay. I did not know that Canadians had a punk side. It's got to be the politest punk rock in the entire world. We're not going to take it unless you'd like us to. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Who bothered you, sir? We'll turn our music down. Thank you very much. <laughs> Art Bergman plays electric and acoustic guitars and sings on the album. It looks like the album was funded in part by crowdfunding. And musician Craig Northey also publicized a campaign by releasing a cover of one of Bergman's old singles. Okay, so he's got, you know, fans that you know have grown up with him, you know, and apparently, as have their bank accounts, crowdfunding this spectacular album but you know an album is a collection of experiences and what are any of us as humans if not a collection of experiences and robert a dressler was no different he was born in fort lauderdale florida he received a degree from dartmouth uh went on to harvard university law school uh graduated cum laude uh he was admitted to the bar in Florida, um, eventually to the U.S. Court of Appeals. Uh, he became ultimately the mayor of Fort Lauderdale in 1982. So he's a Florida man. Mm -hmm. He is most known for actually canceling spring break in Fort Lauderdale. So in 1885, he appeared on Good Morning America and announced that spring break college students were no longer welcome in the city. They passed laws forbidding open containers on the beach, overnight parking on the beach. MTV was asked not to set up their operation on the beach, and heavy enforcement of the new laws resulted in over 2,500 arrests and a sharp drop in college visitors from an estimated 350,000 students to then 60,000 just three years later. Still a lot, though. That's still a lot of college visitors, I got to imagine. 60,000 is not a tiny number. Yeah, but this guy is the ultimate buzzkill. He was named Florida Man of the Year, which means something else to me not being from Florida. When I think you're the Florida Man of the Year, <laughs> I think that's like a news article where an alligator was involved. There was probably a car chase and probably something I didn't think anyone ever did. You're the Florida Man of the Year. But this is apparently a, a good honor. He's a okay. distinguished citizen. From 350000 to 60000 mm -hmm. all right? But think of the economic difference between a week of 350,000 people spending all of their parents' money at a bar versus 60,000. Like, that had to be terrible economically. 
Yeah, Fort Lauderdale probably never recovered. Yeah. I mean, hey, you don't hear about Fort Lauderdale these days. I mean, only when Florida men come up. I I think I would rather have a kind Canadian punk rocker over a Florida man lawyer representing this tournament moving forward. A billion jillion percent. Are we concurred here? Oh, absolutely. All right. Apostate, I'm going to state the obvious. You're moving on to the next round of... The the Double stamp. Florida versus Canada. Canada always wins. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. It's on top. You know, uh, it's it's tops. It's the bee's knees, if you will. Whereas Florida is, um, oh, Florida. Florida. Round seven. In round seven, we have Vortex Demo, the first demo tape released by Brazilian rock band Os Cascavalets. Cascavaletes. We're going to have to come back to that one. Against, we're going to have to come back to this one too, Hymenopaneus ferici, a species of prawn. Oh, yeah. Now, this has been a musical night, but nothing sings to me more than the competition between abstract music and a prawn-like creature in the sea. So, let's see which one of these two will come out surfing to the next round. So what makes a prawn different than a shrimp? Are they like the same thing? I think it's just how much they charge for it. Okay. So, got it. Well, apparently this one was discovered in 1978. Lives anywhere between 1,000 to 1,500 meters down in the West Indian Ocean near Madagascar. And that is exactly all we know about Hymenopaneus ferici. Well, 1978 was not too long before the first demo tape released by uh, Brazilian rock band Os Cascavalentes in 1987. Uh, It would attain them a massive reputation in the underground Rio Grande do Sul rock scene. Okay, so we've got a super vulgar um, Brazilian rock band versus a uh, prawn uh, who lives in the West Indian Ocean uh, deep, deep down. Yeah, and I think, I think it, mm, this is tough, but I think the I think the prawn, because we haven't had a prawn move on. We've had a lot of punk bands. We've had a lot of music in general. We've had a lot of slugs, snails, moths, no prawns. I think it's about time mm-hmm. we get one of them represented. And you know what? Why we move them on doesn't really matter because we're making it up as we go. So I want to see a prawn in the next round. Yeah, you know, you know what I really like is a finished product. And uh, the Vortex demo was just that. It was a demo. It was a stepping stone to something greater. But that thing that could have been greater was uh our friend 
Hymenopenius Ferici. Uh, you're moving on to the next round of the ultimate So, like, okay, this prawn. Do you think it would taste as good as any other prawn with a little cocktail sauce? Yeah, probably. The prawns are the ones they serve with the eyes still on them, right? Is that really how that works? Aren't they just bigger shrimp? Like, okay, so, like you know, shrimp means, well, shrimp means small. So I think that if they get big enough to a point, like, you can't really justify calling them shrimpy anymore. So you got to call them something else, and that's why they say prawn. Oh, I thought the bigger shrimp were just jumbo shrimp. Well, that's contradictory, and it, and it doesn't sell as well. So you call it prawn, and then it's like, oh, it's a different thing. But it's really just, as you say, a, a jumbo or a wumbo shrimp. Uh, it's like when they call green beans hair corvair, and I'm like, you mean green beans? You mean green beans, right? It's green beans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I mean, you can call it what you want. Um, the fact remains the same. I never got to be your Fred Astaire. <laughs> a lucky voice confusion throwback. For, for all the people who listened to punk music in Chicago in the early 2000s, and listen to the band Lucky Boys Confusion. That line is for you. All five of you out there, you're welcome. And also for you is this next round. I said, do my chance have any Here comes another one. Driver, let's take this one to the top of the world, and we're going to compare a Japanese video game director against the National Youth Poet Laureate of the United States. Oh, wow. Now, these are the types of things that you can't predict. When, you, when I sit down in the day with my bookie and try and come up with how I'm going to get myself out of this terribly deep hole, these are the types of things that I wish I knew were around the pipe. It's not like I know any better right now which one I'd vote for, but uh, it would be good to have knowledge of the future. Wait, Let's wait. dig into the... You, you've been betting on these? <laughs> I've bet everything <laughs> on these. Damn, I am ruined right now, Rob. you got to talk to me ahead of time. We could just pick whichever one comes first in the alphabet every time, and you'd be amazed. You just let me know. Do you, need, do, you, do you need like a place to stay? How, how bad is your gambling problem now? Well, I have a place to stay, but my knees are <laughs> are at risk. Okay. So let's find out if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be a winner here and uh, dive right into our two contestants. Well, we have Hidetaka Suhiro, Japanese video game director and writer, one of the founding members of the games development studio Access Games, which I've actually heard of, based in Osaka. He's been directing games such as Spy Fiction, Deadly Premonition, D4, Dark Dreams, Don't Die. He left the company in 2016 and then founded a new studio named White Owls Incorporated. Okay, so yeah, he's making great games. It seems like uh, first game directed was for the PlayStation 2. Um, Third-person military-themed stealth game. Uh, he went on to make other games. Uh, one of his games made its way to the 2012 Guinness World Records Gamers Edition with the title Most Critically Polarizing Survival Horror Game uh, because reviews of the game ranged so heavily. Are we just giving out world records for literally everything? Like, can I get a world record for being the first Rob Lunak to sit in this basement and drink a glass of water? Is that 
it's technically never happened before, right? It's something to aspire to. And if you practice hard enough, you can be the best you that's ever been. Okay, well, as we're talking about the best you and people better than me, we have to talk about the National Youth Poet Laureate. This is a title held by a United held in the United States by a young person who demonstrates skill in the arts, particularly poetry and or spoken word, is a strong leader, committed to social justice, is active in civic discourse and advocacy, is awarded annually to one winner among four finalists, most of whom have been chosen by the Poet Laureate for their city and region. So every city has a Poet Laureate? Holy yeah, God. and then it seems they put them forward. Um, and uh, let's see, even some of these poets, uh, you know, once chosen out of all the rest of them, uh, have been honored even to read at presidential inaugurations, including at Joe Biden's. Um, let's see here. Uh, they write about social issues. They write about things that are important. They write about exactly what is affecting the youth of today today yeah the poet laureate of 2017 was amanda gorman whose name i actually recognized because as you said she read it joe biden's inauguration very very talented young lady way way i think more talented than me but is she more talented than Hidaka? well there's a whole bunch of them though I mean, that's the National Youth Poet Laureate, and there's one every year, right? So that's that's fresh hits. Every trip around the sun, boom, here's a new genius. Slapped in your lap. Enjoy some poems. Um, Hidetaka Sohiru, uh, he's made a bunch of games, but you know what they don't make enough of? His consoles. You know, they can't keep up with him. He's not being given a chance. But poetry, it's always fresh. And that's why, boom, stamping it. National Youth Poet Laureate, I'm going to choose you as my selection to move on to the next round of... The Ultimate I got to agree with you. You know, if there's one thing this show has taught me, it's that everyone is more talented than we are. <laughs> <laughs> These people are national poet laureates, and me and you are just two guys talking into microphones late at night in a basement somewhere. At That's while they're both contestants were talented, both of them really deserve to move on. We can only pick one, and I have to agree: the national youth poet laureate is the one. Absolutely, he talk a hero. I probably couldn't beat any of your games, but you couldn't beat mine either. And that's why the National Youth Poet Laureate, you're moving on to get in the next round of the ultimate That's a tough one. Yeah, it wasn't the easiest that we've ever had. That is most certainly true. Okay, well, let's bring it home for the people. Let's get into our next and final round, round nine. It's about time for round nine. Round nine. In round nine, we have Duwarwar Marika, also known as Banumini, a female contemporary Aboriginal artist, against King Island 
Airlines, a small regional airline based in Australia. Oh, my goodness. Would you look at that? We got two Australian competitors in the same ring facing off against one another. They know each other's patterns. They know each other's background. Which one will dictate their own future? They grew up together out there in the outback. Now, who would win? A female contemporary Aboriginal artist or a small regional airline? This is one that is going to be really tough to fight because while I know small regional airlines generally go places other airlines don't, are they as good as an artist? I'm going to do a thing right now. I'm just going to say no. No, it's not. It's not. Look at this. There's nothing on this page. I can tell you right now, this airline not going to be up to snuff with with this female contemporary Aboriginal artist. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about her. But I'm already throwing down my gauntlet. Uh, She's an active bark painter, carver, map maker, printmaker. She's an artist and community leader uh, from East Arnhern uh, land in Northern Territory of Australia. Um, Just at a glance here, it's just screaming. She's awesome. She's politically motivated, making sure that her peoples are advocated, indigenous rights, all sorts of that stuff. Meanwhile, this uh, King Island Airlines, there's no information there. Let's not front these people. Now, it looks like she learned how to paint from her father, which was unconventional at the time, so she's breaking glass ceilings even down there in Australia. She learned a bunch of other arts from her mother and aunt. Her father allowed her to continue helping him with his painting toward the end of his life, and after consultation with his sons, brothers, and other community elders, she was authorized to paint alongside her father even longer, including the painting of sacred designs. This is fantastic. Yeah. This, this lady, Australia, put her on your money. What are you doing? Yeah. Put her on Come your on. money. Here, let's just close it so we can set the record for fastest decision ever. Are you it, agreed? Absolutely. It's her. Let's do it. You're moving on to the next round of... The She's awesome. She's so awesome. Here, let's see if there's any more information here in her article. Engaged to print uh, or to paint a large film set uh, for... Looks like a movie that came out. Um, she's a just looks like a, a fantastic person here. She was involved in the Gove land rights case of 1971. The case eventually led to the passing of the first land rights legislation in Australia. She's a senior spokesperson for her people. She's appeared in numerous local and national committees. And in 1993, she was invited to Europe as a speaker for the opening of the International Traveling Exhibition. Artaraja Art of the First Australians. She's got a lot of collections, a lot of work in lots of universities, stuff in Virginia, stuff in Melbourne, stuff in Perth, stuff in London, stuff in Santa Monica. The list goes on and on and on. This lady deserved to win. And it's a good thing that we spent that round just talking about her rather than King Island Airlines. Yeah, King Island Airlines, uh, yeah, ain't got nothing on Dwarwar Marika. Uh, that is for sure. So, um, by golly, that was a uh, just a firm foot in the ground as the, of a last round there. Um, and we find ourselves at the end of another episode of competition. The 10th one. The 10th episode. 
Oh my goodness, we've made it 10 times. And yet we are still pursuing our way through this list of all things, of all things, of all time. Which one will reign supreme? See next week as we continue to whittle down the list. Rob, do you have any parting words for our listeners? If you enjoyed this show, we put out them randomly, uh, usually at least once a week. So keep an eye out for that. And if you have something you want to tell us, we do take submissions. So if you want to make a intro for one of the rounds or send us a question, more than welcome to do that. And we will be back here later. We'll see you next week for another exciting edition of The Ultimate Turning Joke